Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 368, Networking and Business Development in the New Era of Social Distancing with networking expert, Julie Brown. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Gusto, the easy online payroll and benefit service built for modern small businesses like ours. In other words, it's a people platform. And RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more, all for free. Thanks to FreshBooks and Gusto and RCAT for supporting Entree Architect and the Entree Architect community of small firm architects. Julie Brown, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be back. Oh, it's great to have you. You're always fun to talk to and inspiring. And so this will be a lot of fun. Just to remind everybody, uh, you've been here before. Episode 271, How to Build Your Network by Creating Meaningful Lasting Relationships. Uh, as small firm architects, your episode rung a bell with us for sure. For sure. Uh, so many of us traditionally build our firms on uh, word of mouth and referral. And so networking and building a system for doing it right is critical for us architects, uh, especially small firm architects. And 
Your episode 271 has been super helpful to hundreds of architects around the world. Um, but we're living in a very different world right now. We're living in a time of chaos and social distancing and, and the rules of engagement for networking have changed and the old way of doing things are probably not coming back anytime soon. Uh, so we're gonna need to find new ways to do this, to, to network and, and, uh, and to, to connect with people in, with these new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old way of doing things are gone. <laughs> They, they will, well, for now, but even when they come back, they'll be, they'll, they'll be different. Right. And so there's a new way of doing things and who knows when, when we'll be able to do that. And we can't just sit around with our businesses and wait for the world to get back to normal, whatever that normal is. We need to keep going. We need to keep growing. We need to keep doing what we do. We need to keep business coming in. And so I want to have that conversation about how do we do that today? You're a networking expert. How do we do that today? in a time where we're not allowed to have a face-to-face one-on-one conversation live in a, in a room. Um, and so let's have that conversation. But before we do that, let's jump into your origin story. You talked about where you came from last time, uh, but it's been a while. So let's remind people, uh, where did you discover your passion for what you do and share that story to where you find yourself today? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because no one goes to college for networking. It's not, <laughs> right, right. There's not a course <laughs> description or a a bachelor of science in networking. So you almost have to discover it in the midst of your, what you go through in your career. So I've been in the architecture and construction industry for 21 years now. For the past five years, that's been me having my own company. So previously 16 years in the architecture, engineering and construction industry as a marketing person, as a business developer, And I was probably in the industry for about seven years before I took on a dual role where I I had only done marketing. And then I took on a role of marketing and business development with an architecture firm. And that was when it clicked for me where I said, ah, I don't want to be in the office anymore. Like I want to be out meeting people. I had a love for the fact that I could know everything that was happening in the industry. Like the more I talked to people, the more relationships I built, I knew what was happening in the industry and I could help so many people and I could bring in so many leads. And all of that came from me being out of the office and meeting people. And that kind of came to a culmination in my mind where I was like, this is really something I could do for a living when in 2010 and we as people in the architecture industry remember 2010, about 55% unemployment for architects. That was the year that my husband, who is an architect, residential architect, decided to go out on his own. Now we had had that plan for a couple of years. We didn't know the economic turmoil we'd be facing in 2010, but we said, let's just do it. Like I know how to network. I know how to bring in work. You're a talented architect. And we launched his firm in 2010, 10 years later, you know, his firm has grown. And he's doing the exact kind of projects that he wants to do. And all of that came out of the fact that we had this huge network to tap into when he started his own firm, even though we were in the throes of the the Great Recession. So that was like, that one is when I was like, it's all about the people. It's all about the relationships. Yes, there's a barrier to entry. You have to be good at your job. You have to be a good architect. You have to be talented but it's the relationships and it's the people you know and it's the people who are referring you that are really going to grow your business 
And and here we are again, right? A, again. a new a new recession about to happen. Yes. Although they they're talking about it and there's signs, but there's really strange things happening in our economy, right? There's the stock market's going through the roof. Yeah. Um, the world around us is sort of, let's say it's adjusting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and the economy certainly is going to have an effect. I mean, we, we've, we've shut the economy down for three to five months. Right. Um, and now it, we're coming back out of it and we're looking to see what happens. And so there certainly will be a, an economic uh, downturn from stopping uh, the economy for such a long time. Who knows what will happen after the election? Uh, and so we're here again, right? We're, we're, we need to understand how to continue building our businesses even when things get tough. Uh, and now with the pandemic, it's even tougher, right? And so let's talk about, maybe let's start with the old way, right? What we talked about in 271, building relationships with lasting meaningful relationships or networking by creating meaningful lasting relationships and how is it different today now that we can't meet one-on-one -on -one, how do we do that with social distancing and, yeah. and being able to do it in a new way yeah so the basic premise of building relationships are still there we're still humans we still have a right. human condition you know we still want to be accepted by other people and build relationships with other people that's never going to change no matter if we do that in a personal setting or we do it like we're doing now over a zoom phone call like the basic human condition is always going to be there and so prior to march of 2020 when we were all blocking our calendars full of events and meetings and coffee dates and lunches and we were doing all of that face to face I remember March 17th was that I live in Massachusetts. So March 17th was the day that they were like, all non-essential workers have to work from home. And I picked up my office and my husband picked up his office and all of his employees went home. And there was this moment of like, well, it's only two weeks to, to slow the curve. That's what we kept, we're kept being told. Right. It's two weeks right. to slow the curve. Yep. And then after, so everybody sort of put everything on hold. Like right, they're right. like, okay, well, we'll get back to it in April. And then as April rolled around, those two weeks came and we realized that this was going to be a long lasting event. Everybody started realizing like, okay, now we can't put everything on hold. We have to figure out how we use the mediums that we have at our disposal for creating relationships or having our meetings or going to events or expanding our networks. And people got really good at it. And organizations, organizations within the architecture, engineering and construction industry also got really good at pivoting their events into a virtual platform. So a lot of people thought that they were gonna cancel their events and they didn't. They ended up just saying, okay, we're gonna put it in a virtual platform. We're gonna have breakout rooms. We're gonna have networking rooms. We're gonna have follow-ups afterwards. And for me, I have been able to get new business during the pandemic. My, also, my husband's firm has been able to get new business during the pandemic. I've been able to meet new people and forge new relationships all over Zoom because the, the basic effort is still there. You have to say to yourself, okay, networking is not a nice to have skill. I need to put this in my calendar. I need to dedicate time every week for networking and meeting new people. I need to check in with the people in my network and see how they're doing and have that basic human connection with them. Like all of the basic tenants are still the same. Just because we can't go to an event and have the randomness of meeting someone 
that just means we have to be more strategic about how we're trying to reach out to people and meet new people. So we're not going to have the benefit of going to an event and meeting someone really awesome at an event because we were both at that event together. We need to do a little bit of legwork to put ourselves in the Zoom rooms or in, in the virtual meetings so that we're still meeting people and we're still gaining information and we're still doing the generation. So all the basic stuff is still there. So do you, do you recommend that you find virtual networking uh, communities and groups or is there some sort of strategy that we should be building that ourselves? So I believe that we all have organizations at our disposal. We, in this industry, we have a number of different organizations, whether that be we have organizations for you know environmental awareness or we have uh, women's organizations or we have diversity organizations. We have a number of you know organizations within our industry that we can be really strategic about, go on their websites, look at the different programs that they're offering, look at the virtual programs that they're offering, um, reach out to the programs administrators. So I'm sure they have a programs committee, like reach out to the programs committee and just say, you want to learn a little bit more about their programs and how they attend it. And what are my networking opportunities within virtual programs? Like that's, those are, those are valid questions to ask before you invest your time going to an online networking event. Right. And, and with small firms, time is everything, yes. right? We're, we have so many hats. We have only so many hours. Yep. Uh, and so dedicating specific time to doing this is important, but not, not wasting that time, making sure that you're in the right place at the right time. So right. let's find, let's say we find a place where we can do this. Um, how do you do it? Like the old way you would go to a networking event, you'd sort of see somebody across the room and you'd go introduce yourself and you'd start a conversation. Um, how do you do that virtually? Okay. So I would never suggest, even prior to COVID, I always suggested that people do a little bit of research before they went to an event. Like try to understand who's going to be there. If you can contact the administrators of the event, ask if you can have an attendee list. Sometimes they give it to you, sometimes they don't. But if they give it to you, like you can do a level of research on who's going to be in that room. You yeah. can be prepared for the people that you, you know, you want to make sure you meet a couple of different people that you've been trying to meet for a while, maybe haven't had the opportunity. You can do the same thing in a virtual event. So I would email the administrator of that virtual event and just ask if I could have an attendee list for who's attending so I can do a little bit of research on them, find out how many common connections we have so I can call up my friend Tracy and be like, Tracy, I noticed that you're connected to Joe. Joe is going to be in this networking event that I'm going to be in. Like, what do you know about Joe? What can you tell me? Because when you go into an event, like if you, if so when I get into that event, if I say, Joe, we have a mutual friend, Tracy, I talked to her today. She said, she told me this about you. She said, she absolutely loves you. Like we have to get together after this pandemic face-to-face, -face. you love wine and beer or whatever, you know, like just make that event as, as easy for you to get to into as possible. Meaning do your research before you get into that event. And also when you get into that event, whether there's five people, 15 people, 20 people, 25 people, you know, hopefully the administrator knows that they should ask all of the attendees to change their name on their Zoom um, block. So it doesn't say iPad 2 or Mac 4, like it actually right. has their name. And what I do during an online event is I keep my notebook next to me and I write down everybody's name 
And then when they talk like a little bit about what they talked about so that the next day, because follow-up's the key, you know, 80% of building and maintaining relationships is follow-up. So it doesn't make any sense to invest time in an event, whether that event's in person or virtual, and not have a plan for follow-up. So I write down little things that they said, and I send them an email the next day. And I, if we didn't talk, I can say, I was in the event last night. I heard you mention this. It really struck my interest. Or I also have experience with that. Would love to get on a Zoom coffee chat with you about that. Like, these are all of the mechanisms we would use in, an, in a real in-person event. There, I, like I said, all those tools, you still own them. They're still in your toolbox. You just have to do it a little bit differently. Yeah, and, and, and you come with a, a whole new toolbox because it's a virtual event. They, they don't see what's on your other screens. Now you have access to Google and LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm Googling during the people event. the whole time. Right, so you <laughs> see somebody's name, you do a little Google search while the event's happening. Oh, yep. I see a little news about them. Now you know a little bit more about them. Uh, there's a whole other level of... Uh, tools that you can be using to sort of 10x this ex this exercise of networking that you can't yeah. do in a live. You can't walk around with a laptop and you know, so right. see somebody's name and start tapping in your phone to find out who they are. Right. Um, and so you have this this additional opportunity. Um, you had talked about doing some research prior to the event. Do do you uh, recommend or or uh, discourage people from making any connections to people who you'll know will be at the event before the event? No. And you know what that I appreciate that when people do that to me, um, that has happened to me a number of times where I've been on an attendee list and somebody will send me an email and, and this, and, and I love the way they phrase it. Like we're both going to this event. It's usually really, really crowded. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to find each other at the event because we haven't met before. I wanted to reach out in advance because we might not see each other at the event, but I want to make sure that we have a connection. And if we don't see each other at the event that but like, let's make a Let's make an appointment or a date to get together, whether it's virtually or when we're past this in real life. I really appreciate someone taking that effort yeah. um, to do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it gives you the opportunity to make that connection. But now you both Definitely. have this thing in common. You're both going to this event. And even if you don't make the connection in the event, you have something yep. in common to talk about. And then uh, if you do see each other at the event, you can be like, oh yeah, okay, right. right. I'm so glad we saw each other, you know? Um, just, I would love people to take the fear out of networking. I mean, it's, it, we're all human beings. We all have a fear of rejection and people need to realize that people, we're all networking to meet other people. So let's take the fear out of networking the fear of nobody's going to want to talk to me. What if I say the wrong thing? Like, what, what if I introduce myself and they don't want to, like, that doesn't really happen in networking. Like, we are all there to network. If you're at a networking event, virtual or otherwise, everybody's there to meet other people. Like, that's your job during that event. Right. And, and we're talking about building relationships. You're still building relationships. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, FreshBooks, Gusto, and RCAT. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, but trying to figure out our financials on our own? No, it's not one of them. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for businesses like ours. 
FreshBooks takes all the not so fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices to organizing expenses to managing online payments, takes all of that and automates it and simplifies it, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. FreshBooks has your back at tax time too. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand the keys off to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that you came from Entree Architect. That's freshbooks.com slash architect and let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Running an architecture business is hard. Endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of all of it. And as a listener of the Entree Architect podcast, by now you already know about our friends at Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 100,000 businesses with tasks like automated payroll tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration, 401ks, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto made it easy. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. And since money can be tight right now, you'll even get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash architect and start setting up your business today. And you'll see what I mean when I say easy. Again, that's three months of free payroll at gusto.com slash architect. You're going to love Gusto. Get started today at gusto.com slash architect. We are well underway here in 2021 and still no word from most trade shows. We can't wait around for news on which event is proceeding, which is postponed again, and which are canceled. We still need our continuing education credits. And let's not wait until December like we did last year. Let's start planning right now. How are we going to get our 2021 continuing education credits? Our friends at RCAT can help. Along with manufacturer product information, specifications, CAD and BIM, all free by the way, RCAT also provides a list of over 150 manufacturers with accredited continuing education courses. Start earning those credits today at rcat.com CES. It's another free resource RCAT provides to make your life easier. Free continuing education credits available now at rcat.com CES. That's rcat.com slash CES. FreshBooks, Gusto, and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So let's say we go through a, a virtual event. We have some names, we met some people, made some connections. Uh, you said earlier that the key is follow-up, that that's where all the magic happens. And so um, I would suggest, I would, I would guess that taking the list of the entire 
<laughs> attendance and, and hit everybody is probably not the way to do this. Right. Um, so what do you do? What do you do after this event? You made some connections with people. You have some names, some information. What do we do? Yeah. So if you remember in the last episode that we did together, I said that you shouldn't try to kill yourself meeting everybody at a networking event. You should be very strategic and kind to yourself in the sense that if you go into a network, if you network once a week and you go into an event once a week and you meet two new people at the end of a year, you'll have met 104 new people. That's a lot of people. Good for you. Great job. So don't feel like you have to go into an event and have 10 in-depth conversations with 10 different kinds of people. 10 different people and figure out how you're going to follow up with them. Like what I want you to do is be strategic about it. You know, have a couple of conversations with different people in that zoom meeting or in the regular meeting where, wherever we're at and then follow up with those two people in a really concerted way. Like this is what we talked about. I really love that you said this. I want to learn more about your business. Potentially maybe we could collaborate together in the future. You know, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself to meet everyone at every event because that's when you're going to start not having um, conversations that can really be you know, continued. You're going to be rushing through conversations and I don't want you to do that. I want you to spend time with people, get to know them, want, want to continue that conversation, but I want you to do it every week. That's how you're going to build your network. It's not going to be meeting 15 people that you don't remember your conversations with, that you don't know how to follow up with because you can't remember what you talked about. That's not the way to do it. Right. And you talked about, and, and, and you're continuing to talk about being strategic, that it's, that it's important to, un, to do that research, to understand who these people are, why you're trying to connect with them. One of the things we do at Entree Architect is we, we, have a, um, we have a podcast called Build Your Brand. We have a, a, a webinar. We have a, a four-week workshop. Um, talking about building a brand and I, and a big piece of that brand strategy is identifying your ideal client, knowing who you should be working with and, and who you should be working for. That will help you once you understand who that person is and you have a clear, really clear identification of who your ideal client is. Um, now you can apply that to this research and say, okay, I'm looking for my ideal client. And so when you're having these, this, Pre, that research, you're looking for your ideal client. When you're in the meeting, you're trying to identify which one of these people are my ideal clients. The follow-ups should be with people who are your ideal clients. Not necessarily to 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 set up a meeting or, or to set up a to uh, to get a job. It's you want to build a network of your ideal clients. And yeah, so, I call them the client avatar. Avatar. Yeah, exactly the same thing. Yes. But I don't just do it for clients. I try to you know, really be strategic about in my network, who are the people that really are invested in my success? They are constantly referring my company They're, You know, every time somebody says, do you, you know, if they say, you know, I need this, or like, you have to talk to Julie Brown, or if it's my husband's firm, like you have to talk to Chris, you know, who are those people that constantly are invested in my success? what did I do to create those relationships and how can I replicate it with more people, yes, <laughs> you yeah. know? Right, right, right. And that, I mean, that's exactly the idea behind building a brand is that, is that not only can you identify your ideal clients, but you, you know who you are, you know the story that you're telling and you know why these people are attracted to you 
mm-hmm. whether they're they're consultants or whether they're contractors or whatever, whoever they are, yep. they're attracted to you for a reason. The reason is because you have a brand. You have a brand whether you're building it oh. or whether or whether you're not building you it. You have, and that's I think that's so great that you're doing that because people don't understand you have a brand and a reputation whether you want to have one or not. Right. And with a name like Julie Brown, which is a pretty common name. There's also two MTV VJs named Julie Brown. Like <laughs> you Google Julie yeah. Brown. Downtown like, Julie Brown. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> um, if you Google Julie Brown, like I could get lost yeah. in a Google search because there's so many Julie Browns and then the MTV VJs would come up first. I've done such a great job. I mean, I'm not patting myself on my back, but like you have I've done, done a, great a lot. Job. So that if you Google Julie Brown Boston, I own that Google sheet and I own the responses because not just because of my company, but because how high my profile ranks on LinkedIn, as far as how much I work on my profile on LinkedIn and writing articles because of the book, but also because I've been written about in Boston Magazine. And then I've also, you know, a lot of times my speaking engagements will come up. So when someone Googles me, my achievements are what they see first. Right. And people need to realize that that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And you built a brand around networking. And I did that Google search this morning. I typed in Julie Brown networking and you pop right up. Yep. And so it's it's clear that you've done that exact thing. Uh, And it's super important that architects do that because if you don't have a brand, then you don't really exist. You don't really ever find you. And I think there's also something there for for figuring out what your niche is. Like also like, yes, you're an architect, but what are what is your niche? What do people say? Oh, that's what that that person does that that um, vernacular really well or they do that really, you know, so start part of networking. I think part of networking is also being really well known for your expertise. And so networking your way onto panel discussions, which are still happening in a virtual environment, you know, onto panel discussions or different, um, you know, industry uh, events where you are quoted, um, where you get quoted, like work with a PR firm maybe, or um, to get quoted on different industry events. Like that is super, super important. Networking your way, uh, you know, into a position of authority as far as your expertise is huge. Again, then you own that brand, you own that Google search of you. Right, right, exactly. So you, you, again, people, we've, I, I am a broken record with target market. What Julie just talked about is your target market. You have to understand who you are, who are you attracting and who do you want to work for? And that doesn't mean that you can't work for anybody that comes along, but you want to market and talk to and network with a very specific targeted market. And it'll make everything easier when you understand who you are, what your brand is, and who your clients and customers are. Yeah, and it's really, you know, it's really easy when for for younger firms who maybe who are sol- solopreneur architects, it's really easy to want to take in every single project that comes in because you're so nervous about like starting your own business and having a portfolio of work. And as you get into your firm more and more, you'll realize that you really need to save space for the work that you're doing to attract your ideal client. Cause you don't want to be so busy that when your ideal client comes along, you're too busy to take them on or you don't do a good job for them because you're trying to juggle too many things. And that's a lesson that comes with 
owning a firm for a long right, time. Right, right, right. And, and, and we veered off a little bit because I want to go back to yep, the following. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's all super important. And it's something that I could talk about for hours. And so it's, I wanted to make sure that we talked about that. But, but I also want to go back to the steps after we make this, these connections on, in the meeting. Um, and we're going to do this follow-up. Um, what are the actual, what should we do, right? We don't want to look like a stalker, right? How do, how do we make that connection after the network meeting? Uh, and what do we do with that? How do we leverage that into building it as part of our network on a long-term basis? Yeah, so I think one thing we need to understand is there, there's a growth period for every relationship that you have. Each relationship is going to grow at its own pace and bear fruit at its own pace. And is statistically a potential client will not, so a potential client or somebody to potentially work with you or refer you, it takes five interactions with you for that person to decide whether they've established a level of no like, or trust of you. So think about that. What are the five ways I can touch this person in a, that sounded weird. What are the five ways? <laughs> what are the five ways I can connect with this person and have an experience with this person where I'm reaching out in a thoughtful way? And so there's a number of things you can do. Like right now, golf is still an event you can do. You can wear masks and each have your own golf cart and golf. And I golf for business all of the time. So you can even in conversation ask if they're golfers and they're like, yeah, I'm a big golfer. Like you can say, well, that's something we can still do together. Let's get to, let's get together. You don't need a foursome. You can go out just the two of you, you know, let's golf. Or you find out that they're really interested in wine or something like that. And depending on where you live, you could have something delivered to them. Like here in Massachusetts, we have Drizzly. They'll deliver anything to anybody, like as long as they're over 21. Like you could have like a really thoughtful bottle of wine delivered. Or if you find out that they're, you know, they had a trip that was canceled or they, they're they saying like, I got to get out of the United States. Like as soon as we're able to travel, I'm going to go here. Like get them, go on Amazon and get them a guidebook to whatever city they, like there's so many ways you can really, really be thoughtful. And these, this kind of stuff is minimal dollars. This is 10 to $15, okay? Except for golf, golf that golf's a little bit more, but like there's so many ways you can show that you, you listen to them, you, you understand what is important to them and that you're standing out in a way that other people don't stand out. Like, I mean, it's just, it, and it only takes a little bit of conversation with somebody to really get those little pieces of information from them. I call them dopamine inducing questions. So we all, dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain and it sits in the pleasure center of our brain. And two of the lowest dopamine inducing uh, questions are how are you and what do you do? And so that are the, those are usually the two questions that people lead with at networking events. So we're going to throw those away for a little bit and we're going to go into dopamine inducing questions. And those are just questions that elicit a dopamine response. People want to answer them. So I always say like now during during COVID, everybody's like, there's nothing on Netflix anybody hasn't watched because we've all been binging everything. So I'll say, okay, tell me your COVID 
you know, Netflix binging top three shows. And so if they're like, oh, I watched Mrs. Maisel, I'm like, oh, you're funny. And then if they are, they say, oh, I watched Ozarks, I'm like, oh, you're really into some dark shit, you know? And then if they're like, I watched these three documentaries, like I know they're into history. Like I can glean so much information from somebody from one dopamine inducing conversation. I could say, did you have any, did you have any, um, vacations that were canceled. I canceled three vacations and I can, you would again, understand where I like to spend my time, you know, where I might be going next year that I could, you know, follow up and be like, did you reschedule that trip to Barbados or whatever? There's so much information you can, you can glean from what I call these dopamine inducing questions, which are just human centric questions, which is just getting to know that person. And that way, you can really get to those one, two, three, four, five touches pretty easily because you have so much information to reach back out and be helpful with. Yeah, it, it's it's all about um, talking about them, right? I mean, it, yes. you, go, you can go right back to Dale Carnegie's How to yes. Influence People, you know, make friends and influence people. It's so funny um, you say that because my book has been called the salty version of how to win friends and influence people. I was going to I was going to ask about the book because the the it's is everything that we're talking about or at least this stuff at the end here in the book. What's the yeah, book about? I mean, most of it is there is a virtual section in the book because as I was finishing the book. COVID hit as I was finishing the book. And so I did put some virtual things in there, not as, not a ton, but, but these basic things, like how big should my network be? What are the different stages of a relationship? How to create dopamine inducing conversations, like how to follow up with people to build, like that's all in the book. Yeah. And it's easy to find. It's called this shit works. (laughs) A no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and more success. Um, Julie Brown, this is a super interesting conversation. Um, before we dra- wrap things up here, I want you to ask answer the question that I answer uh, that I ask everyone. Uh, what is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So today, in today's climate, in today's pandemic you need to know that relationships are not on hold. It seems like a lot of things are like on hold or not the way they should be. Relationships are not. This is when you double down with your network. This is when you take, you make one phone call a day to somebody in your network to ask how they're doing. How are you doing? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help? What do you need? Like once one person a day from your network, I guarantee it will change your life and it will change your business if you do that. Her name is Julie Brown. Julie Brown is a speaker, networking expert, business strategist, author of This Shit Works, a no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and more success. And she's a new podcaster. You can just look up This Shit Works. You'll find it. Uh, Learn more about everything that Julie does at her website, Julie Brown BD, as in business development, juliebrownbd.com. Julie, it's always fun to hang out and talk to you. It's always inspirational, informational. Uh, Thank you for joining me here today at Entree Architect Podcast. I'm so glad you asked me to come back. Thanks so much. You've been listening to episode 368. If you'd like to access the show notes or share this important episode with a friend, the link is entrearchitect.com slash episode 368. You know, the world is forever changed and we know that, right? The way we do business 
is different, but we must evolve in order to continue to grow and progress. And this is one of those episodes that will help us to continue to grow and progress. So um, share this one, right? Even during this time of social distancing, we need to learn how to do things differently. Uh, and Julie has given us some some valuable, valuable information here. And this is one that we should be sharing with friends. So if you could, I'd love for you to share this episode with a friend, entrearchitect.com slash episode 368. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. Have you been over there yet? Have you been to gablemedia.com, G-A-B-L media.com? There's a bunch of great podcasts and video channels over there all about architecture. You should go check it out at gablemedia.com. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's you. We're building it for you. So go listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. You should join if you're not already a member. There's hundreds of members already in there. You should come and join us. We're having a good time. We're learning. Uh, We have um, expert training sessions every month. We have ready-to-edit business resources, a supportive architect community on Slack that's not Facebook. (laughs) And now we also have simple systems. We're bringing out an entire program of new systems developed specifically for small firm architects, and they're free for members. It's all waiting for you over there at Entree Architect Academy membership. Learn more about Academy membership at entrearchitect.com slash join. Come join us. Be well, my friends, be happy, be healthy, safe and secure. That's my wish for you. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate you coming every week and listening. Please share this episode with a friend and love, learn, and share everything you know with everyone you know. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. 
Oh my one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.